Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show will be enjoyed by all, especially if you enjoy creativity, who doesn't? Or whether you are yourself creative or you love viewing the arts and seeing great creative work. Arts, positive effects on aging, both for the creator and viewer, will rock your soul. Experts from around the world cite research on how creative endeavors, storytelling and singing, weaving and dancing and painting and poetry make people's lives better as they grow older and deal with the challenges of aging. So great to be with you today. And again, welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelsang. And as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, we have an excellent interview with mixed creative media artist, Gwen Lafleur. And we're talking about art today. It's well known that therapeutic art experiences can supply meaning and purpose to the lives of older adults in supportive, non-threatening ways. Neurological research shows that making art can improve cognitive functions by producing both new neural pathways and thicker, stronger pathways. That is fantastic to learn. Recent clinical research validates what some professionals and others who work with older adults have known for years, that making art is an essential, vital component of activities that offer a wide range of health benefits. Several studies show that art can reduce the depression and anxiety that are often symptomatic of chronic diseases. Other research demonstrates that the imagination and creativity of older adults can flourish in later life, helping them to realize unique, unlived potentials, even when suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. Neurological research shows that making art can improve cognitive functions by producing these new neural pathways that I refer to. While the brains change with age, creative abilities do not necessarily deteriorate. Actually, the aging brain responds well to art by allowing the brain's two hemispheres to work more in tandem. This ability to use one's creativity throughout a lifetime and the impact of crystallized intelligence gained from the years of accumulated knowledge and life experience help us all to cultivate the aging creative brain. Experts in the field of aging recognize and applaud the importance of both creating art as well as viewing it. Today's guest, Gwen Lafleur, is an artist, instructor, and will attest to the significance of expressive art activities. We'll talk about creating art, learning about art, Gwen Lafleur's artistic journey, and all the benefits that come as an artist and as someone appreciative of art and the joy that art offers. Gwen Lafleur is a lifelong artist, crafter, designer, and world traveler. Gwen Lafleur has been involved in arts and crafts her entire life, trying anything from drawing lessons to paper crafts and finally finding her true home as a mixed media artist. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone teacher, entrepreneur, Gwen Lafleur. Gwen Lafleur, welcome to the program. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you too. I, I personally love art. 
I come from a family where I have many creatives in, in and around my world. I, I love this statement that you have on your website. We're going to put links up to where people can find more uh, about you, of course. But you say, I work with intent and intuition simultaneously. I don't generally try to tell a specific story with my work, but one will sometimes come out on its own. I take whatever combination of feelings, memories, and influences that is swirling inside me at a given time and bring that into my world work. Yes. Why is art important to you? Why do you make it? And 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 then tell us the purpose of your art. I think art has been a part of me for a, longer than I can remember. I I get stories from my mother about when I could first hold a pair of scissors, I was maybe three years old, I would cut little tiny pieces of paper and arrange them and glue them into collages. And um, I started drawing lessons with adults when I was 10. I, it's just this thing that I have to do. And I, it's hard because people ask, why do you make art? And it's just because I have to, because that's a part of who I am. And I think everyone at some, some level, some degree has a need to express themselves and that's going to come out differently for all of us. And I think for me, it's really just that art is the way that all of the feelings and the emotions and and just that part of me that I need to express about who I am, it just all is able to come together in that in that format. Well, I know your mom a little bit, of course, and, and know your family, and I could absolutely uh-huh. see your mom being very much a, a guiding force. She's a force, I think, just generally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, oh, that's so true. So it, it's easy to see <laughs> the the talent from your website. I, I just think, oh, I, I was just, I, I was really, I, I've known you for a little while, and so mm-hmm. I was just blown away with what you're doing, because it's, you know someone, and you don't. And so it's really <laughs> nice true. to see all the wonderful things that you're doing, but tell us maybe a little bit about your your style because we mm-hmm. we will have pictures of uh, some of what you've created uh, on the on our website today. Uh, we'll we'll post those. Mm-hmm. But what what influences you artistically? Because there, there's mm-hmm. this great array of iconography and mm-hmm. ancient icons, and so do you use found objects in the world? Do you create everything yourself? Tell us a little bit about that part of the process and, mm-hmm. and what influences you there. Oh, it's it's just a whole lot of everything <laughs> to all of those questions. Uh, as far as the influences, I would say the number one thing that, and, and it's really obvious when, when you know this and you look at my art as my travels, as I have been extremely fortunate and very blessed to be able to literally circle the globe and go all over the world. And so the influences come because I've I've spent a particularly large amount of time, especially recently in different parts of Asia, in the Middle East. uh, And I have a really strong just connection and and just there's something that draws me about the textiles and the arts and the histories, the architecture of these different places around the world. And so when I travel, uh, one of the things that I do as I look at the architecture and the patterns of, you know, the Iznik tiles in Turkey or the sacred geometry in uh, Uzbekistan or in the in the Middle East, the icons through Russia and even parts of the former Soviet Union and all of that and how that uh, it, it just all influences me. It's like I, what I said in the artist statement that you um, quoted from earlier is everything comes together. I, I don't separate out the influences. I, I kind of mash them all together. And so I will usually, it's just whatever is happening at any point. It might be uh, an influence from Africa mixed with something in India, mixed with 
something Native American mixed with I just like flowers because I think they're pretty. (laughs) And so it will all just kind of come out in one thing. And I think that is, um, I've been told that my style is quite unique and recognizable. And I think that's why is because there are so many influences from all of those great opportunities that I've had and having them just, you know, come together. um, I think it really creates something that's very authentically me Uh, And as far as found objects or things that I make myself, that's also really a mix of things. I will use uh, found rusted things, old metal, uh, things I pick up off the street. Um, I'll I'll use, um, I'll create something, uh, layering things together with, um, you know, bits and pieces of gemstone or other objects, or I will make some of my own things out of clay Um, Not fire, but um, I would love to do ceramics, but that's just another route that I need to cut myself off from. But I'll make a lot of things myself. I'll draw my own portraits or sometimes I use, you know, a royalty free image. And so it's really just a mix of whatever the the feeling is. And I do find that more and more I create a lot of my own drawings and elements, but I do like to mix in things that are special to me, uh, things that I've picked up from travels, things that represent um, just things that I like, um, you know, feathers because I love birds and I love to, I love to go birding, uh, any, any of those types of things. I will mix them all together. And I, I'm just going to encourage our audience to go check out your site again. We're going to put links up to where you can find out more about Gwen LaFleur at GwenLaFleur.com. And maybe describe how you began the studio space because you talk about, you know, kind of pottery and maybe that's, you know, maybe kilns and all of those kinds of things. Uh-huh. For our audience, maybe tell us what a good starting point is for kind of outfitting a studio space because I think people are thinking about that as they want to kind of create. And so how did you, you know, start that creative process and uh, particularly the media. Mm-hmm. And, well, going straight to the, the to the studio, I, that's a very evolutionary process, and I think it's really personal to each artist in what you like, how you work, what kinds of tools, and um, what kind of storage space you have, what kind of living and working space do you have. I started out with, uh, you know, a pencil box, and then. In college and grad school, I had a couple of cases of supplies that I kept in my closet or under my bed in my dorm room or my apartment. And then I grew eventually into a spare bedroom. And um, and now I have a, a studio apartment. So everything is out in the open. And so for me, it's all uh, creating a space that is really functional, but is you know something that other people can see. And I find that I think the one key takeaway that has always really helped me is whatever you do, organizing your studio or your space or your box of whatever it is that you're using, you organize it so that the supplies that you use the most are the ones that are nearest to hand and then kind of work out from there. And so I have things that kind of are in a storage area and then I have anything that I use on a very regular basis is right where I can grab it without having to step too far away from my desk. And so that would probably be my, uh, my number one recommendation about setting up a studio is, you know, find what works for you and for what the medium is that you want to work in and then keep the things that you use the most close at hand. And I think the rest of it just grows out of your, your experience and your taste. And, and as you evolve, in your needs and, you know, and even in your situation in life and and where you are and and what you want to put into your studio. Mine has evolved into uh, as much of a piece of art in some ways because it's full of little 
curated vignettes of uh, supplies or things that I use, props for my photography and feathers that I collect outside or, you know, any of those kinds of things, art from other artists. And it all has come together so that there it's art within the studio and then making it a place where I love to be and that inspires me to create. And that would probably be the second word of advice is if you have a dedicated space, fill it with things that inspire you. I have friends who cover their walls with inspirational pictures or uh, ideas or works in progress or, you know, just whatever it is that inspires you to work. That is what I would do as far as setting up a studio, because that that's what's worked for me and for many of the other artist friends that I have is the key is really, you know, what, what makes you want to be there? Because if you're not wanting to be in your studio, you're not going to be in there creating. And so that's really been very important for me. Is the key to just start? Is the first step to create the studio? Is it to find inspiration? For many of my audience who, who might be new to kind of creating Mm -hmm. uh, and creating art, especially what, what advice would you give them about just starting? I would say, don't even worry about a studio if you're just starting, because that's overwhelming. That's a lot. That's, you know, that's a whole level of commitment that I think to, to look at the amount that you need to put into it and the expense that needs to go into it to go straight from zero to studio, I think is, is a lot. I'd say, find yourself a nice storage box. And if you want to draw, then, you know, you put your pencils in it. You can, you can buy like tackle boxes or craft supply boxes or There's a lot out there that's a nice quality, nice looking in different colors and styles so that you can pick something that suits you. But, you know, whatever it is that you want to start with, you don't, I, this was the mistake I made and feeling like I needed everything all at once. And then you end up finding out that that's not you, you know, that's what somebody else likes. That's not what you like. And you end up not using it. And, you know, then it's taking up space and it's taken up money. And so I would, if you want to draw, get some good pencils because I do think a good quality supply really has an effect on the quality of your work to some degree. Um, I've I've known a lot of people who said when, when I wish I had known when I started watercoloring, for example, that using good quality watercolor paints rather than really cheap watercolor paints would make a difference in how my work turned out and how I felt about it and how I was willing to progress with that work. Because it does make a difference in the impact and, and how that, even those initial efforts come out. Um, it's, and the same is true with acrylic paint. The same is true with drawing pencils or colored pencils. You can get something that's very economical, but you, you may get poorer results from the same techniques and the same projects that you would if you invested a little bit more. So I, I think that it's better to have a better quality supply and maybe a little bit less of it and maybe not any place fancy to put it, but to get that and to use it and to learn how to really use it well and then take that as your starting point. We are with artist Gwen Lafleur. Gwen Lafleur's work can be found at GwenLafleur.com. Gwen Lafleur loves patterns, textiles, textures, shapes. She sews, she paints, she does collages, and you mix all of that together. Again, mm-hmm. I, I really am just going to encourage our audience to go check out GwenLafleur.com. They can find, our audience can find workshops and tutorials along with products for sale. Maybe talk a little bit about the workshops and the tutorials, because you're as much mm-hmm. of a teacher, really, as you are uh, an artist, a producer. 
Yes, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I started years ago teaching scrapbooking classes, and that has evolved as mixed media has become much more of a mainstream and accessible thing. And mixed media is really just mixing different mediums together. And so if I'm using acrylic paint on paper, if I'm putting a ribbon on a handmade card, that's technically mixed media. And so I think it sounds a little bit fancier than it is. To me, it's just an excuse to use all the things is really what it is. And to not feel like I have to be pigeonholed into any one thing. Yeah. And so the the, the classes, as they evolved out of scrapbooking and into mixed media, I started just teaching in my local stores. And, you know, people would just say, oh, I really like what you do. And the, the store owner would say, oh, you know, would you like to teach a class? And so I started to do that. And as I got to where I had my own product lines, and I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed to have had companies who, who have taken a chance on me and done that, that really brought me a lot more opportunities to go and to teach at different stores around the country. Um, I've taught up in Canada. And then when the, the pandemic came, what I realized, once we, we realized this wasn't just going to be well, we'll be we'll be home for a couple of weeks and then we can just all go out again. And the reality of the situation hit. I was talking to different people that I work with and on the artist side and realized that these friends of mine who own these stores are in big trouble if you know if things can't change for them because they had online stores, but they were new. They were not the main part of their business. They they hosted teachers and classes in their stores and having that there is what brought a lot of people in to do shopping and and to have that spreading of the word that they were there and all of this was gone they couldn't open the doors to their stores they couldn't have these classes nobody knew about their their websites and so what i did and i know that you know a lot of other people arrived at this is kind of a natural conclusion is that I immediately reached out to a friend and said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Why don't we do some live classes in a private Facebook group and you can host it as if we were in your store and we'll send people to your online store. We'll give them a coupon and we'll just do a live class, but we'll do it online. And so that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I've been doing for about the last year and a half uh, and just having the opportunity to to still teach live while people are in their homes. And so um, it's a little bit of a different animal, but it has been, you know, just a great opportunity for people to have something to do, to be able to continue to have opportunities to meet and engage and, and to be a part of a community from their homes and to really help out these store owners and, and give them an opportunity to continue to have some some revenue, some help, uh, and I know for some of them that teachers who have done this have really been kind of a saving grace for them. And I'm getting a little bit off topic, but um, I do, uh, I love to to teach and to get out and to share with people and to see what they do uh, with the ideas and how they make them their own and, um, and, and how they really grow. I get a lot of the of repeat students and especially when I'm doing these online classes and it's been really fun to see how they take the things that we share and incorporate them into their own work and how that in turn uh, really helps them to grow as artists. And that for me is a really a fun part of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's very helpful. And it's interesting to me too, Gwen, you have this interesting blend of creativity and then a business side to you too. It's, it's hard to make it as an artist. It's hard to make mm-hmm. kind of a living. So 
It is. What's your kind of dividing line? Would you just prefer to be teaching? Would you prefer to be creating? Is there a specific success metric that you have for one versus the other? Because it seems like sales is really if you want to do this, mm-hmm. you do you do need to have sales. I'm in an interesting position because I am a full-time working artist, but I have a full-time day job and I I work in digital and the tech industry and I do actually have an MBA. And so that I am an extremely You're busy a busy person. person. <laughs> I You're am. And so I think that makes yes. it a little bit different for me because I don't have the pressure that a lot of my artist friends are who are full-time artists who don't have other full-time jobs. And I, and I have quite a few friends who are in that situation. And a lot of them have left full-time jobs to go into art. And, uh, and so I, I have seen both sides of it and I know both sides of it from my perspective, but it does change things because I don't have that pressure to make a sale. And so for me, I don't, you know, I don't feel the need to be super, you know, I don't need to price my my artwork at gallery prices, and I don't need to try and get into galleries. And um, and if I need to take a break from teaching in order to have time with my family or to focus on making something that I want to make, or I love to take classes too. And so I, you know, sometimes I'll take a break so that I can actually take a class. And, and I think that I'm really lucky in that, that I have that, that real daytime career that I can fall back on in order to make it a little bit easier to, so that I don't have to be so profit and sales driven because that's very hard for me to to make that be such a focus. I don't like to be promotional and when you are an artist and you're an artist full time, you have to be promotional. Uh, it's it's really part of it and even just the little bit that I do, I I have to do it. It's a part of the of being out there because I do have product lines and I do have classes and you know, I do have my website and the things that I am working on promoting. And so even though that's not the majority of my income, or it, it, it's something that I have to work on. And it it is hard and it takes a lot of time. And it, um, But it is absolutely and totally necessary because it is such a competitive landscape. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where if you're not out there and talking, somebody else will just fill into that space. And they're not necessarily people who might otherwise love your work or your classes or your products might not otherwise come find you. And so it's really such a crucial part of being an artist to, to learn that business side of things and to be willing and able to, to dive in and to do that no matter how uncomfortable it may be. <laughs> I know many in our audience are going to be excited about the workshops and the tutorials, but the website does have a real um, – it, it, there's a store. And the prices are very reasonable. If our audience contacts you, do you, do you work on a commission basis? Do you I have do you past. create uh-huh. from I've requests? Done, so to speak? Uh, a few a few watercolors on requests, um, some mixed media collage and paint pieces. Uh, I've done a bit of jewelry on request. I, it's not the main the main thing that I do, but I have if um, if if a request comes along that I feel that I'm you know, really capable of, of working with and we can come to an agreement that's absolutely something that that is possible. Well, I know you're very busy and mm-hmm. I know you've got some vacation coming up. Uh-huh. I have just one, really <laughs> one final question for you. I know you're just a world traveler and you, you've probably oh, yes. got the world to go explore. But I, you know, I, I, I love this creativity 
side. As as I get older, it it's come out in me a little bit. It's come out in many ways in, in my friends and family. I certainly see it. It, it produces so much personal mm-hmm. joy, I, I believe. So maybe leave us with something that's inspirational to mm-hmm. our, our older creators in the audience that, that they might take away with them uh, today and, 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 and maybe jump mm-hmm. towards this kind of creative process, the one that you've just, you know, ex- you're excelling at, and, uh, but, but inspire us. You know, most of the people who take my classes and that I meet in the course of being an artist, either in person or online, are actually toward the end of their careers or retired and, you know, just are are looking for or finally have the opportunity to do things that they've always wanted to do. And so the one thing that I would say is that it it's anyone can do it. Anyone can draw. Anyone can make art. Drawing is a learned skill. And and I think that really people come and they say, I can't draw, I can't do this. And what I see continually in anyone who comes to take my classes, because I have anyone from beginners to uh, other advanced professionals, anyone, all of them come out with just absolutely beautiful work. And so I would say that anybody who says, I can't do this, or I'm starting too late, I, I think that all of us can do it. I, you know, I'm no spring chicken. And um, I decided in this last year while we were in quarantine, I had always been scared to death of watercolors. And I decided, you know, I want to do it. I would really love to do it. And it turns out, I actually am very good at watercolors. And I spent all of these years just not trying because I was afraid that I couldn't do it. And it turns out that if you settle down and you apply things that you know and are willing to put in the work and, you know, watch some videos, take a class, read a book and do the practicing, you know, I can do it. You can do it. Anyone can do it. I see it constantly in my students. And I know that, you know, it's really just a matter of, of, of wanting it and being willing to, to put in the work and just being willing to have fun and, you know, accept that not everything is perfect. And that's part of what makes it great and what makes it unique and, and what makes it special is I don't ever want my work to look like anyone else's. And when I teach classes, I don't want theirs to look like mine. I want it to look like you know, each student, I want that look, the, the projects they come out with to look like theirs, to look like something they made that they're, they're happy with. And, and I think that that is totally achievable. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, being willing to, to go after the things that you're interested in and that you want to do and, you know, just getting started, pick up a pencil and, and doodle, you know, and that's a starting point right there. Our guest today has been Gwen Lafleur. Gwen LaFleur, thank you so much for your generous time, for your inspiration. Again, I, w- I just want to encourage everybody to go check out GwenLaFleur.com. You're just going to see this, this beautiful artwork that has these amazing European, Asian influences, African, American, all of this wonderful, wonderful stuff. And there are workshops and tutorials, too. Check it out at GwenLaFleur.com. But Gwen, thanks for your time. It's been great to talk to you, get to know a little bit more about you and in particular your pre- your professional work it is wonderful and I'm just going to again just shout it from the rooftops here, let's go check this out and uh, and enjoy art and, and, and I think take this leap and uh, you know, become creative ourselves, but thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, this has been just a lot of fun to, to sit and chat and, and talk about something that I just absolutely love oh, I appreciate it so much, thank you Thanks 
My thanks to our guest today, Gwen LaFleur, for her generous time and experience. You're going to find more details. You're going to find more details about Gwen LaFleur, her art, her classes, all that she teaches, and her great retail store on our website. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support our show. And my thanks to you, my wonderful Not All Better Show audience. Please be safe. Everyone, wear your masks when needed. Encourage those who haven't to get vaccine. And let's talk about better. The Not All Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Series. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you soon.